Welcome to Presence Church Sermon of the Week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit PresenceOC.org. I told uh, Pastor Jesse that he could start a men's group to talk about how beautiful you men are. If uh, you are feeling left out, um, Pastor Jesse, he'll start the group, so go talk to him afterwards. You'll talk about how beautiful your wives are. Or your future wife. Okay. Yes. Yes. Okay, let's pray. Let's pray. Let's pray. (laughs) Yeah, Lord, just thank you, Father, for the second service. God, I thank you for each person here. Lord, I thank you that they are here for a reason, that no one is here by accident. And Lord, I just pray boldly that you would speak through me this morning. God, that the, the words that you want your, your sons and daughters to hear, Father, that you would, um, yeah, you would just make that known. Yeah, and I just pray for ears to be open, eyes to be open um, to the word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. I, I told the, the last service, I, I, um, they prayed enough for me, so I didn't have y'all do it, but to pray for me because I felt like as I was in preparation this week, um, just in my alone time with the Lord, I, I had like 12 messages. And that's what happens when a preacher doesn't preach for a few weeks. You, you, it just kind of like, you know, stacks up. And, um, and I had this amazing thing I wanted to talk about. I'll talk about another time. But then on Wednesday night, the, the, I, I couldn't sleep. And I was tired. I have two little ones, a one and a half and a two and a half year old. And uh, I've got another one kicking at not great hours of the night. And so I, I was so tired and I just wanted to go to sleep. And I, I don't rage till two in the morning anymore, you know? Like I'm tired by 10 o'clock. It's past my bedtime. And I was up until like 2.30. And I'm like, Lord, please put me to sleep already. And I just kept feeling like he was giving me just these downloads and revelation of what I'm going to share about today. The reason I share that with you is to bring you in a little bit to my heart and kind of the, the evolution of this message, if you will, and, and to also share with you that I feel like I'm still kind of working out some of these truth bombs. You know, the Lord gives you things and you like sit on them and soak in them for a couple weeks. Well, he gave this to me on Wednesday, so... That's where we are. <laughs> and and I, I feel like there's such great depth of revelation in some of the things I'm going to share that I'm going to need you to bear with me and kind of truck through the grittiness and the understanding of what I feel like he's given me to, to share. So y'all okay with that? We good? Okay. I don't know. Did we do new people? If, you, if this is your first time here, we raise your hand. Just give us a little wave first time. Oh, don't be scared. We love new people. Come on. Amen. Welcome, welcome, welcome. I don't know if we already did that, but I love seeing new people. So, so I, I want to jump right into scripture, and then I'm going to kind of talk about it a little bit later. Um, but if you will, turn with me, Ephesians 6, we're going to start in verse 10. Ephesians 6, verse 10, it says this, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. Some versions say evil strategies of the accuser. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Say flesh and blood. 
but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth, buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with readiness that comes from the gospel of peace with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. That's good news. Verse 17, take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. So this morning, if you, if you keep your Bibles open for a second, a lot of, um, People who've translated the Bibles have thought they were helpful by giving us subtitles. And so in your Bible, I know in, in the couples that we have at home, they're all subtitled the same thing. It may say spiritual warfare. Does anyone say that? Anybody's Bible say spiritual warfare? So this is, this is just a subtitle to help you understand what's coming. And so I don't really have a title for today's message you can call it spiritual warfare. Um, I, I don't really quite know. But, but I'm going to talk about protection and weapons. And I want to emphasize on the armor of God this morning. We're going to have a cute little amazing child of God come up and, and help us do that a little bit later. Um, did anyone, I was asking the first service, is there a song in kids ministry about the armor of God? I didn't grow up in the church, so I don't know these kinds of things. Maybe your daughter might sing it for us. Okay, this is good news. So (laughs) it's really good to memorize things. You just make a song out of them. That's how I memorize things. Um, But I didn't really know when I first became a believer, I didn't know about the armor of God. And, And if I'm honest, when I first heard about spiritual warfare, I thought, well, shoot, I thought I signed up with Jesus Christ who protects me and now I'm in a war. Hold on a second. Did I sign up for the wrong thing? (laughs) You know, you get like all this weird lingo and language that kind of comes along and you're like, hold on a second. Is this real or is it not? I wasn't even aware of spiritual warfare until you told me now that I'm a Christian, I'm in a battle and I don't know if I want to partner with that thing. And so I didn't quite know about the armor of God that Ephesians talks about that we're going to kind of break down in a minute. What I did know about was protection. See, my dad, Sis and I's dad, this is my sister right here. Hey, hey, Sis. My, our, our dad is, um, he's a major in the Department of Corrections. Here it's like the police. It's a little bit different in Kentucky versus here. But anywho, growing up, he was a police officer. He worked on the streets and in the jails, and now he's, he's second in command in Kentucky. But, but he taught me about protection, Because uh, I don't know how old I was. I wasn't super young. I was old enough to understand. But when we would go out on the town or when we would run an errand in maybe a not-so-great area, um, he would would show me something when I got old enough to understand. He, He would lift up his pant leg, and he would say, Hey, Nicole, just so you know. And he would show me that he had a gun around his ankle. And again, it wasn't weird. It wasn't like he was trying to freak me out. What he was telling me was, we're getting ready to go into an area that I don't feel super comfortable taking my daughter in specifically. So I'm going to wear protection around my ankle and wear this gun. Don't worry. He was licensed. He was allowed. He wore wide pant legs, not the skinny jeans. You couldn't tell. 
But <laughs> they weren't in then. I don't know what they would do now. I guess you can't still. Anywho, the goal is that you can't see the gun on there. But, but he would let me know, when you're with me, you're protected. And, and though I didn't quite understand the fullness of the protection or what he was protecting me from, if you will, I just knew that with my dad, he has a badge of protection that claims his authority. But he also is carrying a weapon that I know if, we, if anything were to happen, he would somehow use that in some way I didn't know and didn't want to go down that road. And, and so I just knew with my dad I was protected. I, I had an understanding of worldly protection, if you will. And it wasn't for many of years later when I got saved that I started to understand the protection of the Father, the armor of God, if you will. And so today I'm, I'm going to try and break this down. I've not heard a ton of sermons on spiritual warfare. The ones I have heard have kind of been a little weird, if I'm honest. Um, so I'm going to try and break it down to the best of my ability um, and explain what I feel like the Lord has given me for this morning for this house. Um, and I, I, I have a couple... I feel like the, the Lord is going to highlight a couple of you who have, have maybe been believing things that aren't true or have been partnering with things that you shouldn't partner with. And so if during the service you start to feel anxious or hot or you just start to feel something, we're going to pray for you at the end. But I just want you to be aware of kind of what's happening during the service. You know, in the mornings when you wake up, you, I, I would think you all have a closet or um, a dresser of clothes. And so when you wake up in the morning, you, you probably have a choice, I think, to go to your closet or to go to your drawers and take out your clothes and put them on. And in Romans, Paul talks a lot about putting on the righteousness of Christ, putting on Christ. Even um, lots of scripture about baptism talks about putting on God, being clothed anew. And, and who knows that when you wake up in the morning, you go to put your clothes on, you have a choice. You have access to those clothing, right? You have access to those clothes, but you also you have a choice to make to put them on. Does that make sense? And so a, a lot of what we're going to, what I'm going to talk about this morning is symbolic in this sense of it's a reminder. It's a daily putting on, if you will. It's not a works thing. It's not a weird, I've got to struggle to get through the struggle. There, there's none of that. But who knows, you can have access to something and still not access it, right? You can have access to your car and still never drive your car. And so in the same way, I believe that we have access to the ultimate protection. We have access to the, you know, the ultimate defender and defeater. And we have access to the armor of God, which we're going to go through in a second. But I believe we have to choose to put it on. Choose to remind ourselves, if you will. So somebody say access. Say to the person next to you, say access. The... the, the the armor of God is incredibly powerful. The armor of God that, you know, so often we just, we, at least when I would read about it, I would just think of kids ministry because I've seen lots of kids ministry do fun things with the armor of God, but the adults never get to do anything fun with it. So we're going to today. We're breaking that off. 
But I love verse 12. Okay, I want us to just jump in here. Verse 12, and and this is where I'm going to just start dropping some revelation, so bear with me. Verse 12 says this. It says, our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Amen, Amen, Julie. It is not against (laughs) flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. See, our struggle is not with flesh and blood. And I would propose to you this morning to look at that differently. And let me give you an example. You know, when we It can be so easy to, when we have a conflict between someone or a disagreement between someone or someone's saying some crazy things and and we're in this weird relationship or whatever, our battle, our struggle is not against the flesh and the blood of that person because they're a son or a daughter. Regardless if they know about it yet, our battle is not with one another. Okay, when, when, when Jesus died on the cross, he got rid of division. Division is not of Jesus. And so any kind of device of anything in your life is not of God. We do not battle flesh and blood. That just like, I've read it a thousand times and then I read it and I was like, oh, I don't battle people in front of me. This is awesome. And then I went as far and I was thinking about sin. I'm like, well, I learned when I, first, when I first got saved that it's just a life of struggle with your sin. You just, you get saved so that you can just constantly repent and ask for forgiveness and hope that God does something and shows up and saves you, you know? <laughs> I'm, I'm glad that you guys are laughing because that means you're further along than I was. But so I got to thinking about, wait a second, if we don't battle flesh and blood, then we don't battle sin in us or around us. Follow me for a second. Raise your hand if you've been baptized. You've been fully immersed in baptism. Okay, if you're not raising your hand, we're having a baptism service in a couple weeks. Get ready. But when you were baptized, you died. Did you know you've already died? That's kind of cool. You died in your life. That's kind of what's going to happen again. But you, you died. And so when you died, your old man, as scripture says, women, you too, your old woman died and you resurrected in Christ Jesus, which means your sin, your struggle, your battles, your issues, your fill in the blank died. But what does that mean? Wait a second. What does that mean for if if I'm struggling with sin? Well, I don't think it's with flesh and blood that you struggle with. I think it's what Paul's talking about, the evil spiritual forces. When Adam and Eve were in the garden, they were never supposed to experience sin. But something happened. The serpent came along and he spoke and they allowed, they gave him access of influence. You following me? They gave him access. It wasn't sin just jumped on them and forced them. They gave him access. So we don't battle sin. You don't battle flesh and blood. I don't believe that God dwells in sin. And if you've been baptized, the word says he dwells in you. Is he afraid of it? No. 
Does he find people in the midst of their junk and he loves them and he brings them home? Yes. Does he dwell in it? I don't think so. I'm open to being wrong. I'm pretty sure he dwells in heavenly places, not in the midst of sin. And so we do not battle flesh and blood, but the scripture says that we battle spiritual forces, evil spiritual forces. But that sounds kind of scary. Wait a second. Wait, I, I battle evil forces. That doesn't sound fun. What church is this? But it's good news because Christ has given us armor. And it's symbolic that Paul is sharing about, but, but Christ protects us. Actually, his love covers and protects all. That's another thing. But, but we're not discouraged. We don't lose hope by knowing that there is a battle happening, right? If you're a parent in the room, you, you wouldn't, um, let's see, you, you wouldn't tell your kid when they get their license that nobody ever has a wreck. You would say, just be aware drive safely, but be aware of the other, the other cars, right? Like you wouldn't send them out into the world and then have, having never taught them about what happens in the world. Does that make sense? You would prepare them and let them know your decisions and your trust in the Lord will get you through anything that's around you, but you wouldn't send them out blindly. All right. So, so there's protection available. So we, we're not nervous. We're not anxious. We say bye to those things. The, the spiritual battle that we are in doesn't affect us. It doesn't have to affect us unless we give access to it. I feel like I hear two different types of, of people. On, on one side of the spectrum, I hear people like, I've just been in a spiritual battle for 15 years. I'm just being attacked. The devil's just after me. Here he comes again. I quit my job and can't pay my rent. I'm being spiritually attacked. No, you being lazy. You ain't being attacked, you know? And then I hear this, this other, <laughs> sorry, this is me. Um, then I hear this other side, uh, the, like the other side of the spectrum where people are like, well, the devil doesn't exist. He's not around. He's not influencing people. Um, I don't believe in the spiritual realm or anything demonic or da, 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 da. And I don't think either are right. I don't think either are right. I think there's maybe nuggets of truth in both sides but more often than not, when people ask me for prayer, I pray for people because they feel attacked. But who knows, we're not managed by our feelings. Who knows that, that you might feel a lot of things, but that may have nothing to do with you. I might feel sad for someone. That doesn't mean I'm sad. I'm just having compassion and empathy and I'm feeling for them. That doesn't make me sad, okay? This is good. Go, Nicole. All right. <laughs> oh, I have so many notes. I feel like this is like a five. I could do this for five weeks, but I'm not going to. Um, I think there are truths on both ends, but I think it's good for us to understand the reality of the spiritual realm. And, and I, I feel like there's a lot of weirdness that just gets caught up in talking about spiritual warfare, warfare, battles, demons, demonic, this, that. And, and so, you know, if you, if you were walking outside on the sidewalk and um, you walked past a person smoking a cigarette, 
when you, especially if you're not a smoker, when you walk past the smoker, you smell it, right? You're like, ugh, I just need to wash my clothes now. I smell like smoke. Now, let's say when you're walking by that person, you know, they're, they're smoking their cigarette. When you walked by them, they didn't oppress you with their cigarette smoke. They didn't wait for you to walk by to go, <sighs> waiting for that person to walk by so I could blow my smoke on them. At least I hope not. They weren't after you with their cigarette. They didn't have like a pack of cigarettes waiting for people to walk by so they could light one up and blow the smoke so everyone could smell like them. But when you walked by that person, you smelled it. You might have been affected by it for a second. That doesn't make you a smoker, and that doesn't mean that now you're a cigarette You following me? This is the the best analogy I got for this. This is what I would call, symbolically, a spiritual force. Because I was reading reading through, I want to read it to you again. I was reading through Ephesians 6. And I'm like, how do people get, like Satan can't be present in multiple places. God can, but Satan cannot. Does he have demons? I think so. So demons can be around, but I think there's something else that we've got to be aware of, and that's evil spiritual forces. And I think those two are separate. If you've ever wondered, like, can Christians be demonized? That was like a really weird one for me. I'm like, I thought that person was a Christian, but I just saw something come out of them. What was that? (laughs) I think there's a difference between having a demon, if you will, And having a spiritual force, and I'll use a different word to help you understand, an evil spiritual influence. Okay? So right here when it says, for our struggles not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, authorities, powers of the dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil. It doesn't say demons. It says spiritual forces of evil. That tells me that there's something else besides a, like a little, I just thought of little Chucky. Did you guys ever watch that growing up? It's like the most horrible thing ever. I don't know why I just thought of that. Probably because he's like a little demon. Anyways, not like a person demon, you know, but an evil spiritual force. And so... In the analogy with the cigarette, when, when you walk by that person, it might get on your clothing, but it's not you. You're not now a smoker. You're not now a cigarette, okay? So, so that's the best analogy I have for y'all on a spiritual force. It could be something. There's a, there's a pastor um, that, that actually explains... He didn't use the word spiritual influence, but he said, it wasn't a demon on me. This is a really well-known preacher that I don't need to name. He said, it wasn't that I was demonic. I didn't have a demon in me, but I had almost what felt like those x-ray things when you go to the dentist and they take an x-ray and they put the, like the radiation cover over you, whatever the thing is called, vest. He's like, it felt like that was on me. That would be like a spiritual force, if you will. Y'all with me? Okay. When Jesus called the 12 disciples and he sent them out, he said, you have all power and authority. It's dunamis and excusia. Couldn't think of it in the first service. It means power and authority. You've been given all power and all authority. So if you've been given all power and all authority, that means what? You have power and authority over those things. 
Those things do not control you. You are not controlled by any of the demonic realm. You are not controlled by demons. You are not controlled by evil spiritual forces unless you give access. You give over power. You give over authority. I'll have conversations with people and they'll say something about a demon or something about, and I'm like, I'm protected. I don't have, I don't have to worry about any of that. They cannot touch me. I, I, I used to have these um, visitations in the night where I would be very aware that something other than Jesus had come into my room. And the first couple of times I was really scared because I didn't know what to do about because I'd never had it before. And I got really nervous, and I would sit up, and I would just kind of pray, God, save me. He's like, well, Nicole, you're already saved. But then I just started laughing at that thing that would come in my room. I wouldn't give any authority to it in fear. See, sometimes our fear gives authority to things. Sometimes the thing that you fear, you are actually giving authority and power to overcome you. And so when, when I would have this sense of this thing that would come into my room, sometimes there'd be multiple of them. I literally got to a point, it started happening in college when I was like really on, well, when I was getting on fire, I just keep getting more fiery, but when I was getting, getting on fire for the Lord and they would come into my room and I would literally just sit up and I would laugh and I would say, ha, 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 and I would go back to sleep. Who knows where you give your attention to is what you will feel. Where you give your attention to is what will have influence on you. See, see, some of us, some of us give attention to things of the world that actually taint our beliefs. Sometimes it's music. Sometimes it's movies. Sometimes it's people and places that we hang around. Those will have an effect on you. Though you are protected, the things that you give access to, to allow to shape your thoughts, will have influence over you. This is really, really important. This is really deep. Thank you, Pastor Chris. The enemy has no authority. All that to say, power and authority has been given to you. There's, there is actually no power or authority that anything has over you unless you say yes to it. Okay, so, so, so just as a, a takeaway, a take home, if you ever feel something like that, you actually get to speak to it. Someone once told me when I was first having those weird encounters, they said, just plead the blood of Jesus because nothing's stronger than the blood. So you can just plead the blood of Jesus in your room, in your house. You know that you have authority over your home? You have authority over your relationships? This is really cool. When we were adopting our son, we, there's a book called I Give You Authority by his last name is Kraft. Has anyone ever read that book? Charles Kraft. Yay. Okay. Awesome. So, so he talks about when you adopt a child, you actually get to take full authority over them. And so literally the day we came home from the courtroom, we sat on our couch and living there and we just took authority over his history and authority over his future. It was really cool. But you have access to do that with your children, with your homes, with your cars. You get to take power and authority over anything. Okay, so this is, this is good news. Um, that was a tangent that I, I didn't share in first service, so you're welcome. <laughs> Did anybody see the Wonder Woman movie? Anybody see? So I'm typically not into movies like that, but it was Wonder Woman. <laughs> so no one has ever seen her and me in the same room at the same time, so I'm just saying. Anyway, um, 
So we went to see it and there was, there was a scene and it was a really powerful scene. I just started crying. And, and so I want to, I want to use this to kind of help you also understand and, and meditate on what a spiritual force may look like or an influence. But there was this scene, for those of you that haven't seen it, this doesn't give too much away. But do y'all remember when the scientist was in the lab and she was getting to the very end of finding the formula that, that could kill everybody? Y'all remember that scene? And the, the evil man in ghost-like form came behind her and he whispered the rest of the formula in her ear. Y'all remember that? Whoa, I was done. So, so when I think of evil spiritual forces, I think of that. I think of this thing like maybe whispering things or like the smoke around you as you're walking by or in this place or whatnot. But listen, if the scientist had been a Christian and she was working on something else in the lab and she knew God and she knew the armor that she carried, when that thing came behind her and whispered something evil and ungodly, she wouldn't have allowed it to influence her. But because she didn't know God, She didn't know her power and authority in Christ Jesus. At least I don't think we pray for her right now in Jesus' name, that actress. But in the movie, she didn't. If she she did know God, she wouldn't have allowed that influence to come in. You know, there are brilliant people. There are incredibly um, intelligent people in our world who the Lord has gifted with amazing brains, but the influence that has come in has tainted it. And so we see things that are happening in our culture that shouldn't have never even been a thought. Okay, so when you think of a spiritual force, I want you to think kind of about that scene, if you've seen that movie, to kind of help you understand. Okay, you really want to grab your daughter? So I want to break down and we'll do this kind of quickly. I'm going to break down the armor of God. All right. Paul, who is a hero of mine, Paul writes this from prison. And so because he was in prison, he would have been well aware of the uniform, the armor of the Roman guards. So, so and this is what I love about Paul. Lord, give us faith like Paul. He saw a struggle. He's in prison. He's about to die. And he's writing about the armor of God that we have been given to protect us from anything. And he's utilizing this symbolically based on what the Roman soldiers would wear so that those who read would understand. See, first century Christians would have totally understood the armor of the Roman soldiers. And so there's so just so much fun nerdiness about the armor of God that Paul is talking about. But I want to point out, because they are allowed to do it in kids ministry, and it's fun, and I want to do it in here. So I bought some armor It's for a three-year-old, and I thought I could wear it. And then I got to the belt of truth, and I was like, nope, I can't wear the belt of truth. (laughs) So Charlie is going to be our incredible soldier who's going to carry the armor of God this morning. She's amazing. Yes, fun things are happening in the kids' ministry that she is helping lead. So the first thing, if you go back to Ephesians 6, I want you to highlight this. I want you to underline these different pieces in Scripture. There's a reason he lays it out. It's really, really important. Okay? So the first one is, is the belt of truth. I'll let you put that on her. This one, amen, it fits you. The belt of truth. 
for a soldier would have helped the person run and run fast. See, they wore robe, kind of like robe-like garments. And if you've ever tried to run in a robe, ladies, maybe men, you have robes too. Kind of hard, you know? So they would take the bottoms of their robe-like clothing and they would tuck it in to this belt. And so when Paul is utilizing um, the, the symbolicness into the belt of truth, he's like, hey, tuck everything into the truth into this belt so that you can run fast and you don't trip over your own clothing. The second one is the breastplate. The breastplate is, is, is one that covers the most important part of your body, your heart. Who knows you can't live without your heart, right? And so when Paul talks about the breastplate, he's like, listen, this thing is going to shield you it's going to shield what comes in. It's going to shield what is able to touch you. You know, imagine a, a, a um, I just lost the name of it, a arrow coming at you. If you have the breastplate on, it'll just bounce right off. And that's what lies and accusations are supposed to do. When they come at you, you are shielded in Christ that it bounces right off of you. It doesn't even affect you. You might feel a little like, oh, but then it's gone. Y'all with me? The next one is shoes of peace, which it's so funny. They gave us shin guards, but we'll just pretend like your, your amazing silver shoes are the shoes of peace. I'm like, that's not biblically accurate. They should have given shoes, but that's probably a lot harder to fit three-year-olds. Anywho, what would happen in battle is they didn't have, you know, bombs. So they had to create something to put in the ground to slow um, soldiers down. And so they would make these really pointy stick-like figures that they would put in the ground so that when soldiers were going through the battlefield, if they stepped on that thing without shoes or without um, good sole padded shoes, it would just completely debilitate them. They they wouldn't, I don't know, break their foot or do something really harmful and they couldn't walk. And so Paul talks about walking with the, the shoes of peace or the gospel of peace that you would literally be able to walk over the very thing that is supposed to harm you. How cool is that? You would literally be able to walk over the thing that is supposed to harm you and not even know is there because the soles on your shoes fit you perfectly and were so thick that they protected you. <clears throat> All right, the next one. The shield of faith. Yeah, girlfriend. The shield of faith. I love this one. You know, there's a lot of versions in my deodorant. Thank you, Jasmine. <laughs> We're family, you know? That's the best stuff right there. Anywho, the shield of faith. Back to topic. The shield of faith is cool. A lot of versions say that Paul says, above all. So Paul's laying out all the armor, right? He says, above all, have the shield of faith. This is the most defensive armor he tells you to put on. You think of Daniel and the lion's den. What did he have? He had faith. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they had faith. There's something about the shield of faith in Christ Jesus that protects you. But you know what's really fun? It's not just for personal protection. See, if you're in war with soldiers... When you were in war, we don't really use shields anymore, I don't think. But it was to protect those around you because you could put it in front and protect those that you were in battle with. So this is actually the only one that's not just personal protection. 
but it's for protection. It's that authority that you have over your family and over your situations and over your children. It is the shield of faith that is for protection for multiple people. We have two more. We have the helmet of salvation. Yeah, girlfriend. The helmet of salvation. (laughs) You should have seen it on me. (laughs) This protects our minds. Paul's like, listen, you need to be careful what you think. Because what you think you will believe and what you believe you will speak out and live out. You need to be careful what you allow come in here. You need to be careful what you give access to up here because it will penetrate right here and then all around you. He's like, listen, the helmet of salvation is you put on salvation. You're reminded who you are. You're reminded who God is. And you keep an eternal perspective that will protect your head. Lastly, my favorite. You totally don't have to keep that on if it gets too hot. Is the sword of the spirit. Can you show them the sword? The sword of the spirit is this. It is the word of God. Your sword is this. If you are not picking this up daily, yes, I say daily. I don't say monthly or weekly. If you are not picking this up daily, you are without the sword. I want you to think about a soldier going into battle without the sword. Scary. The word of God is the greatest spiritual weapon And I'm more convinced now than ever, the the more that I can get in the word of God, the more things around me make sense. There is something powerful, everything powerful about the word of God. When my husband and I did youth ministry, we'd always hear kids talk about, um, the the Bible's just boring and hard to understand. I'm like, well, for sure ain't boring. Have you read what's in there? That is like 800 crazy romantic comedy battle scene movies ever. It's not boring. You won't find it boring when you start to get in there. It might be hard to understand. This is why we need to be discipled and mentored and have people around us that we can ask questions to. If you're not understanding it, seek guidance. Get around other people who do understand it. Get the Blue Letter Bible app on your phone. It'll help you. Read commentaries. Anywho, Sword of the Spirit, greatest spiritual weapon. You know that Jesus, when, when he was being tempted by the enemy, do you know what it says, how he overcame temptation? The word of God. He said, it is written. Every place that you see temptation, he says, it is written. It is written. It is written. The word of God, it is written for you. This is a guide for you. This will get you through every struggle, every fear, every fill in the blank. This, not, not your spouse. They're helpful. You're helpful, babe. But the moment that I put him above God, I've, I've created an idol. You're, the, the people that counsel you, counselors, they're phenomenal. I love them, but they're not more powerful than this. Your children and your friends and your groups and your prayer partners, those, they're amazing, but they are not smarter than this. We were at a conference last week or the week before, and probably going to butcher this. You might have to help me, but um, Bill said, 
you know, people say, well, what about, what if it's not 100% accurate? And he said, well, I'm not worried about that because its accuracy is more accurate than your accuracy. I was like, oh, that's a good one. I'm going to use that. Yeah, I, I, I'm confident that it's accurate, but I'm going to use that one because it's a good one. Okay, can you guys give Charlie a round of applause? We told her that she was specifically chosen because the Lord loves her a whole lot. And she got really excited. So, amen for having you in the service. I'm going to end with this. It's important for us to understand the power and authority that we have in Jesus. And it's, it's more so important for us to understand what Scripture says, but to be aware of the armor that is available that is accessible, that is tangible. You know, those are fun props and fun ways to get you to remember. But the reality is it's, it's right here in Ephesians 6. And, and, and when you leave and you've already forgotten what each of them represented, just go back. And when you're feeling like, gosh, I'm just not believing correct things. Cool. Go to Ephesians 6 and be reminded of the helmet of salvation. And when you're feeling like, I don't want to bring the gospel of peace, or I feel like the very thing I'm walking on is just tangling me up. And it's just go to Ephesians 6 and talk about the feet that are ready, that are fitted for the gospel. You want to walk in power and authority and peace? Go to Ephesians 6 and read about it. Get it ingrained in our heads. All right. And so, Jesse, will you strum? I know you were so excited to keep going and worship. Will you strum? I'm going to pray for some of you. Um, I felt like the Lord wanted, you know, I'm like, I'm going to be talking about spiritual warfare. Are we going to have like a deliverance meeting or what? So it could get real fun real fast. Here we go. But I wanted to pray for, for two uh, people groups. And, and, and I, 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 I want to encourage you to be bold, okay? I want to encourage you to be bold. I am going to have you all, I want you to shut your eyes and bow your heads. We'll make it official. But I, I'm going to call out two, um, two people, two people groups. And if there's more, that's fine. Actually, if you're on the prayer team, will you come forward right now? If you're on the prayer team, come on forward if you need prayer, I'll pray for you. But if you're on the prayer team, come forward. Okay, so everyone with your eyes shut and your heads bowed. The first group of people that I want to pray for are people that feel like there is a spiritual force or influence that you are carrying that you are not supposed to carry. And hear me say, this is not your fault This is not a shame, blame thing. This is a let's get free and walk in it. All right? It's as easy as that. It's as easy as that. So so with your eyes shut, I see some eyes open. With your eyes shut and your heads bowed, if that relates to you, I want you to raise your hand because I want to pray for you. Keep your hands up. Keep your hands up. If your hands are up, keep them up. I'm sending a prayer person to you. Again, this is, there's no shame in this. There's just freedom. You don't have to do anything. You just sit there and you're going to let them pray for you. So if your hands are raised, they're raised because you feel like there is a spiritual influence over you. And there's not going to be in like five minutes. So get excited.
All right, I'm making sure everybody's covered. Give me one second. They're coming. If your hands are up, someone's coming. Don't worry. We're not in a hurry. If you need to leave, you're allowed to go. But if your hands are up, don't put them down until you feel someone's hand on your shoulder, okay? Until you feel someone's hand on your shoulder. All right, so if you're, if you're a prayer partner and you're behind them, if you haven't already, go ahead and just pray for them. Father, I thank you for freedom in their life. God, I thank you for what you're doing right now. I command all evil influences to leave right now in the name of Jesus. I break off any lies, any offense. Right now in the name of Jesus, I clean out the heart and I say be free in the name of Jesus. While they're continuing to pray, the second people group that I I want to pray for, and I know this one is going to feel really risky, and I'm okay with that. But if you feel like there's something stronger than just an influence, I don't, I don't want to say the thing, but if you feel like there's something stronger than just the influence, I want you to raise your hand, and I'm going to come around and pray for you. Something stronger than the influence. Keep your hands up. I'm going to come for you. Just keep your hands up. Everybody's still got your eyes shut. Again, if you're not getting prayer and you feel freedom, you are free to leave. Just going to stay here for just a couple more minutes. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. Be sure to visit our website at presenceoc.org to find out more about Presence Church.